Thanks for listening to the latest Football Digest podcast available on all podcast platforms. Subscribe now through Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Acast or wherever you get your podcasts from so you don't miss a single episode. Good morning and welcome along to Football Digest Extra Time with myself, Ned Keaton. I'm joined this morning by Dan Burnham as we run the rule over what was a fairly busy, and it usually is when it is third round weekend, uh, weekend of Premier League action, Dan. Um, I suppose really the first place that we have to start is at the Emirates Stadium, the clash between two title rivals in the Premier League, meeting again in the FA Cup this time. Liverpool perhaps riding their luck a bit, Arsenal having plenty of chances and we'll come on to, to what that should mean for them and their transfer business this January a little bit later on at the show. But Liverpool riding their chances, riding their luck a little bit too, um, scoring two late goals to progress in the FA Cup as well. For Arsenal, even though we said we will come on about the January stuff a little bit later on, just in general, this is now three straight defeats in all competitions for them. They're out of the FA Cup, they're already out of the Carabao Cup, they slipped down to fourth in the Premier League. Is this time of concern for Mikel Arteta and Arsenal and Arsenal fans as well? Or is it just a, a minor blip and they'll be back to their best shortly? Should we, how concerned should we be if we're Arsenal fans around this kind of current run of form? Definitely is a worry. Um, obviously, they had that blip at the end of last season. But aside from that, they looked very dominant uh, for the most part. Whereas this season, they've looked anything but their best. Um sort of defensively relatively solid still the numbers look all right as much as they have conceded twice in their last three games um but going forward they just look way off the pace um Bakai Saka has not looked at his best he's been sort of chipping in um with the odd goal and assist um sort of ticking over but aside from that you look at Gabriel Martinelli a shadow of his former self from last season Martin Odegaard's not really been um chipping in as as he was. Um, he looks sort of affected by the introduction of Kai Havertz to the team. The midfield balance has sort of shifted and not in his favour. Um, and it is a real worry. One win in seven now in all competitions for Arsenal. And Mikel Arteta really needs to buck his ideas up and sort of figure out a solution to that problem because their season is only heading in one direction at the moment. As you say, out of the domestic cups, um, Champions League, their campaign's going well, but um, they really do need to sort of find their shooting boots and pick up the attacking numbers. On the flip side, while it all seems all doom and gloom, perhaps for Arsenal at the minute, you have to say for Liverpool, top of the Premier League, Carabao Cup semi-final coming up this week, past one of their title rivals in the FA Cup as well. It's it's all looking quite nice for them, but more so perhaps than winning in the FA Cup. For Liverpool, is there much of a psychological boost they can take from beating Arsenal uh, away from home, especially? Of course, they've still got that trip to the Emirates to come in in the Premier League. So with regards to the title race, is there a bit of a psychological boost Liverpool can take, albeit from this win from another competition, into their hopes of, of lifting the Premier League title this season? I think progressing in the FA Cup probably harms their title charges, chances more than improves it. But uh, obviously that winning mentality is very much with them at the moment, uh, which Jurgen Klopp will like. He said it himself before um, before the match. He said they've kind of sort of just been taking it game by game and making their way through this period, trying to avoid as many issues as possible. Um, he would have been sweating yesterday when both of his centre-backs, Kanate and Konza, went, went down with injuries in the first half, especially with Virgil van Dijk absent with illness. Um, they do have a 10-day break coming up. Um, which was massive to avoid that FA Cup replay because that would have sort of wiped out the mini winter break that they're getting. Um, and Klopp will be very glad of that because once they're back to action, it's going to be relentless. All four competitions um, still alive. 
which is quite funny for Liverpool because it is sort of a transitional season for them. Um, moved a lot of big names on last summer um, and got a lot of fresh faces in, but they're actually, you know, sort of charging towards a few trophies at the moment. Um, I think, like Klopp said, they've just got to take it game by game and sort of wrap up their key players in in cotton wool. Uh, it doesn't help with Salah being away, Endo being away. Um, they've got to they've got to rely on their squad depth now, which I don't think is the strongest compared to sort of their some of their rivals, especially Manchester City, of course. Um, but it's sort of a wait and see with Liverpool and see how they cope with uh, the second half of the season, which is going to be really tough for them. Of course, for anyone listening on this morning uh, live, or if you're listening back as a podcast as well, feel free to send in any questions. Uh, if you're watching live, drop them in and we'll try and answer them on screen. Uh, if you're watching back or listening back later on, uh, what we'll try and do is, of course, find us on all social platforms um, at Mirror Football uh, across most of them. Uh, and drop your comments in there and we'll try and answer them on future shows if we can't get through them today. There is one that we have already, but I think it's a little bit early for that one. It, it seems to be a good one for a little bit later on when we come on to transfers. Um, but Dan, you mentioned Man City's squad depth there when talking about title challenges in the Premier League. Um, and one thing that we spoke about on the show last week on Extra Time, um, what about Manchester City needing in January? And the one thing that both myself and, and the lovely Colin Bromley we, we both agreed on was it's just getting Kevin De Bruyne back fit, really. It feel like a new signing for him and at the weekend in the FA Cup. That's exactly what we saw. Kevin De Bruyne came off the bench uh, in a 5 0 win, fairly comfortable, comprehensive win for Manchester City over Huddersfield Town, as would be expected. But a big boost, a big talking point after the game is Kevin De Bruyne returning to action. And of course, Kevin De Bruyne, true to form, didn't take long to find an assist either. I mean, this is, it, it's a huge boost for Manchester City. It's a joke, really, isn't it? Um, you got to feel for. Uh, Mikel Arteta and Jurgen Klopp when they look at their benches and then look at Man City's at the weekend they got Kevin De Bruyne coming back Jeremy Doku coming back uh, obviously Erling Haaland wasn't even the, in the squad but you'd expect him to be back later this month um, it's just ridiculous and um, I think most people at this point if they were going to wager their house on it you would you would back Man City to sort of go on in the second half of the season and cruise to the title as much as Liverpool are at the top like I mentioned before they've got that winning mentality going De Bruyne back is uh, a massive boost and him and Haaland's partnership last season was incredible. They sort of hit it off straight away, um, really found that chemistry. As long as they can keep both of them fit, obviously that is the concern, both of them a bit injury prone. Um, they've, they've done well last season to keep them fit. If they can manage their minutes well, uh, if, uh, which I'm sure Pep Guardiola will do, he he hasn't rushed back either of them, um, which rightly so, um, then they, sh- they should really be in with a chance of a lot more silverware come the end of the season. Um, and yeah, Kevin De Bruyne, his, his impact on the team uh, can't be replaced. They've tried to sort of slot Julian Alvarez in that position. He hasn't really cut it, um, which it, you can't expect him to fill the boots of, of, of Kevin De Bruyne. There is no one like him in the Premier League and he's certainly a game changer. So if anyone's tuning in, expecting to hear any talk about Manchester United's uh, win, loss, draw, or otherwise against uh, Wigan Athletic, there is none of that today because, of course, as I said, Monday morning and that game's taking place Monday evening. However, one team we can talk about that's had a bit of an indifferent season in the Premier League is Chelsea. But they seem to be finding some respite in the cup competitions, Dan. Uh, through to the Carabao Cup semi-finals, of course, the first leg's taking place this week. 
Um, and as well, Fury in the FA Cup, a, a comfortable win in the end, looking at the scoreline, 4-0 over Preston, maybe had to work a little bit harder than they would have wanted to to get the goals in the first place and come through. But I suppose in the cup competition, all that matters is the win. It doesn't matter what the scoreline is and how you play, just as long as you're in the hat for the next round. But for Chelsea, they seem to be enjoying the Cups this year under Mauricio Pochettino. And I suppose it could be the opportunity for them, as we said, into the semi-finals of the Carabao Cup, into the fourth round now of the FA Cup, an opportunity for them to put a bit of gloss on the season that has been, you know, we spoke about Liverpool having a transitional season. I think Chelsea are still in a, a, a transitional period, a big transitional period for them under Todd Burley's ownership. But the, the Cups could provide them with an opportunity to add a bit of gloss to it and also a, a chance to get back into Europe without worrying about their league form. Yeah, sort of a, a weight off of Mauricio Pochettino's shoulders, um, definitely, because you probably would have expected him to get a tune out of that Chelsea team a bit quicker. Um, although I think you can see what he is trying to implement. Um, but it definitely uh, sort of gets any pressure off of his back doing well in the Cups. Um You'd expect them to get to the Carabao Cup final, um, which uh, again you'd expect Liverpool to get to the Carabao Cup final as well, um, which will be uh, sort of a, a good tie. Um, you probably have Liverpool's favourites, but you, you never know when you get to Wembley. Um, and in the FA Cup, yeah, like you say, um, cruising through against Preston, Richard Pochettino seems to be a bit. I don't know if cup specialist um, is fair, but obviously you got Tottenham to League Cup final, Champions League final. Uh, won the French Cup with PSG. Seems to sort of relish those competitions, and some managers do just suit sort of that knockout knockout format. Um, you, you think of Carlo Ancelotti, Unai Emery. Um, he sort sort of seems to be that sort of mould of manager, um, but he, he definitely can also produce the results in the league, which I'm sure Chelsea will uh, get if they stick with him. They've they've just got to give him that time, I think. As a Tottenham fan, I'm not sure we can call him a cup specialist because, yeah, we did get to a few finals with him, but we never won one. Uh, the trophy cabinet's still there. I wasn't doing the stadium tour and, uh, at the weekend and unfortunately they didn't show us the trophy cabinet and my brother, uh, a longer-suffering Spurs fan, uh, a more longer-suffering Spurs fan than myself, joked, we haven't actually got one, have we? Uh, which was quite sad and upsetting, but probably quite truthful. Anyway, um, moving on past that, um, Dad, just want to get your thoughts about the the goal uh, of the weekend from the FA Cup. Um, and of course, anyone listening on, uh, feel free to chuck in your suggestions as well. We'll try and go through them if we can before the end of the show. But for me, and I suppose for yourself as well, it probably has to be Patrick Bamford's goal, doesn't it? A, a brilliant control and volley from outside the area uh, as, as Leeds beat Peaceborough in the FA Cup. And won the strike, wasn't it? You know, he probably hasn't scored many better in his entire career, probably won't score many better in his entire career. And I mean, if we can see a better goal between Wigan and Manchester United on Monday night, we'll be, we'll be doing quite well, wouldn't we? And even as a Spurs fan, this comes, even though I loved Pedro Porro's goal against Burnley, the winner, um, what a fantastic strike that was. It has to be Patrick Bamford's goal for goal of the round, doesn't it? Yeah, Porro's was a lovely goal, but uh, Bamford's hell of a strike. Uh, we know that he's got that talent in his locker as well, obviously. Um, played for England before when when Leeds were uh, doing well in the in the Prem. Um, he, he's definitely sort of got that talent. He hasn't shown it in the Championship this season. He struggled, um, but that's two goals in two games for him now, having not scored before that. So that could be big for Leeds as well in their sort of promotion push, looking to get back to the top flight. Um, but yeah, it's it's a, it's a gorgeous strike. It's the sort of one that you you skip straight back. You don't watch the celebration. You go straight back and watch it again. You, you have to. And just finally on the FA Cup, Dan, um, we were going to talk about shocks of the round this morning, but I suppose the draw kind of 
hamstrung us a bit with regards to that. We may still get one, as we say, we're recording this Monday morning. There may still be the biggest shock to come if uh, Man United win at Wigan. I'm joking, of course, if, if it goes the other way, if Wigan were, to, uh, were to, to get the better of Man United, that would surely be the shock of the round for sure. But because of the way that the draw was, there wasn't really many opportunities for those those shocks to come up this time around, was there? You know, we're, we're talking here Monday, we were talking before we went live and we both agreed that Maidstone over Stevenage was, was probably the shock around because it was the only shock around. But that's because the draw didn't allow for it. We had 19 all Premier League ties, didn't we? Again, I'm joking there. I know it wasn't 19 because that is statistically impossible. But we just so, had so many big Premier League teams playing against each other the championship teams as well, that there wasn't those opportunities for the shocks and, and the lower league teams having their chance against the big boys that, that we've seen in past draws. And you look again at the weekend and we've had, you know, teams from Martinique in the French Cup and, you know, low-level sides, USU Ravel again against PSG as well, going away to the big boys, having their days out and, and these great games and, and taking them on. And, and likewise in the Copa del Rey as well, you know, I'm, I'm not sure if you've seen it, but for anyone who hasn't, going to see the pitch that Barcelona had to play on last night and the stadium and so far removed from what those players would be used to. But the opposition, they get these moments against these big stars. You know, they never would have dreamed to play against Robert Lewandowski and they got that opportunity. And it just seems those draws are all seeded in a way. They allow for the, the big teams to go away to the smaller sides or the smaller sides to take on the big sides. The, the seeding is there. And of course, it always happens every year in the FA Cup. We always get to this point and we always kind of go, oh, should it be seeded? You know, did we need to see Arsenal versus Liverpool this weekend? We only saw it three weeks ago in the Premier League. We'll see it again before the season's out. Would we be upset if that didn't happen in the third round and it happened further? Because of course, again, the issue with seeding is that it does present an easier opportunity for the bigger sides to get through. Of course, it does that, you know. But would we be upset about missing out on Arsenal be Liverpool in the third round and seeing it in the quarters instead if they were to both progress there? I don't think we would do. Is it now, are we getting to the point now where we should be seeding the FA Cup to add a bit more not drama, but a bit more romance back into it as well? Because we just seem to have missed that this weekend, you know. I mean, other people might joke that the only other the only other shock was Newcastle actually winning the game. But when that draw came out, that game, that Sunderland Newcastle game for me was the only one that had any romance in it, the one that got anyone remotely excited because it was such a flat draw. Do we need to go into seeding territory where we can, you know, I know it kind of almost ends up rigging the draw a little bit in a row to make sure that the big boys go away to the smaller sides. But just to add that romance back into it a little bit. I think fans on both sides of the fence, sort of fans of the big teams, the top six and lower league fans would definitely sort of welcome a move in that direction to get those ties because that that is what the Cup's all about. Um, and yeah, watching Liverpool play Arsenal three, four times a season isn't, isn't what anyone wants. Um, I don't think it will happen because like you mentioned, they put Arsenal and Liverpool on TV and that is because it's going to it's going to bring in the audiences um i, I believe bbc had the first pick um over IV, itv and they even went for that game instead of sunderland newcastle uh which speaks volumes really um because that was the standout tie um and it was it was a great game it was a great spectacle as much as it probably was a bit one-sided it was everything that the cup's about sort of really strong competition tackles flying in um Really nice and sort of not have VAR. Um, and, and those ties are what you dream of when the draw is made. Um, so, yeah, the, the seeding, I like the idea uh, personally, but I can't see it being introduced. Um, but uh, yeah, you look at the Maidstone game against Stevenage, they might not have had the opportunity to sort of get through to the fourth round had they been pitted against 
um, a bigger team. So there's there's pros and cons as you can look at it one way and the other. Um, but the the FA Cup draw uh, is always sort of one of the highlights of the season. Um, I'm looking forward to it tonight. I can't sort of wait um, to see who who gets who, and hopefully we'll get a few more few few more interesting ties this time around. Because I, I personally was moaning about the TV selections, but when you actually looked at the list of games, it was was a really sort of drab draw, but that that's the luck of the draw. That's how it's going to go sometimes. Of course, it is January, so we do have to talk about transfers, Dan, as well. Um, and and one man who is the subject of much speculation this much uh, this month, even March and March, and, and and it's all getting a bit confusing for me already. But one man who is subject to much speculation this month, there we go, uh, is of course Brentford's Ivan Tony, uh, a brilliant exclusive uh, with the mirrors Darren Lewis today, um, which you can read about in paper or online if you've not read it yet. Go and do that uh, for sure. It's a fascinating insight to Ivan Tony. Um, uh, as he prepares for his return to Premier League action, of course, he's banned running out this month as well. And one of the big things for me in it when I was reading it then um, was, you know, he's saying that he's determined to force his way into Gareth Southgate's England squad for the Euros this summer, having missed out on the World Cup in, in 2022. Where he's subject to much speculation about his future, is Ivan Tony best served by staying at Brentford this window? And returning because, of course, he's he's been out for so long, or, or would a move perhaps suit him just a fresh start? What would be better for him to get into the England squad? Is it staying at Brentford or is it moving to a bigger club? I think he's got a task on his hand either way because Gareth Southgate doesn't like chopping and changing the squad. Um, and if you look at his options up top, Harry Kane is obviously a shoe in, he's his first name in the squad. Um, and then you can't argue against Oddie Watkins in the form he's been in. Obviously, there's a long way to go to the summer yet. Um, so there is probably only one more spot available. Um, I personally would think Tony should, should get that spot. Um, but he needs to sort of really force the issue with Gareth Southgate to answer your question. I think he's probably best staying at Brentford this month. Um, sort of familiar surroundings. Um, they also probably deserve that loyalty because they've helped him over the last few months, I saw a lot of his comments um, in his chat with Darren Lewis were about how Thomas Frank's been incredibly supportive. His teammates have rallied around him. Captain Christian Norgard's been sort of c- keeping in contact with him. Um, so they they definitely deserve to sort of be repaid for that. But you can't, you can't see, if it's not this month, you can't see Ivan Tony staying much longer than the summer. Um, I think... If he got that big move, obviously there is a bit of weight to get an in the England squad when you are in a, a bigger a bigger team. We've seen that with James Watt Prowse. He struggled at both Southampton and West Ham to sort of break through um over the likes of Jordan Henson and Calvin Phillips. That may play a part. But I think for Tony now, he's just sort of got to get his head down a bit, um, get back to his best, which I'm, I've no doubt he will. Um he's he's an excellent striker and um really excited to see him back now. One of the clubs who, of course, has been heavily linked with Ivan Tony, and, and we mentioned that we'd come on to Arsenal in the show later on, um, is, of course, the Gunners. They do need a striker. I think it's clear as day. Uh, and even if you were an alien from outer space and only came in to go and watch their game against Liverpool in the FA Cup, that would be clear. Um, as I said as well, feel free to chuck in any comments throughout the show as we're going on. We'll try and get them up uh, as we're going through. And, and one of the comments that we did get was uh, from Chibogu Elijah, who said that Arsenal need a good finisher, please. We need Mbappe. Mbappe is someone who we are going to come on to a bit later as well. Um, on Fuller teases this morning. 
But Arsenal do need a finisher, a great finisher. Ivan Tony, we've seen, can be prolific. Arsenal need a prolific striker this month. Is Ivan Tony the man for Arsenal? And if it's not him, who do Arsenal need to go against instead? I think he, he, well, he is their top transfer target and that is completely correct. You know, that's, he should be. Um, they need that sort of big presence of a striker um, up top. Gabriel Jesus, as much as he's been really good for their link-up play and the build-up, he doesn't provide that. Um, and w- if Mikel Arteta insists on continuing with the one up top that he, he seems to prefer, then he needs that player who can hold up play um, link up like Jesus, but also is a bit of a bigger goal for it, um, which Ivan Tony is. That, that's that's him all over. And there is a few. There's only a few strikers in that sort of Harry Kane mold um, where you know they offer all those attributes. Um, I think that if not Ivan Tony, then then Dominic Solanke's been mentioned as a as like sort of the backup choice. Um, he isn't he isn't as good as Tony. There's there's no doubt in that. Um, he sort of proved. He can cut it at Premier League level this season, which there were a few doubts of, um, having sort of flip-flopped between the top flight and the championship. Um, he, he's he's doing really well. Um, but I think Ivan Tony, uh, we saw last season in, in the goal-scoring charts, he wasn't far behind the likes of Erling Haaland and Harry Kane. And if you look at the market, there isn't many other options like him about. Um, so I think as much as from Tony's perspective, he might be better off staying at Brentford. I think if Arsenal really want to capitalise on an open title race as it stands, they should probably go all out for for him this month. In terms of the player himself, as we said, he is coming back from a bat and he's been out for a while. Um, you know, it's not played this season at all. Do we think clubs might be a little bit reluctant to go in for him this month just to see yet yeah, whether or not he is back to the Ivan Tony or both? You know, is there is there a bit of risk attached to any deal? for Ivan Tony this month because he hasn't played in so long. Do we know if he's still going to be the same player? You know, the kind of, uh, you know, if you signed him in the summer, as you'll say, they, you can't see him there past this summer coming up. If you get him in the summer, you've got, you know, not only do you get to see him back in action for the next six months between now and then, but of course you get the pre-season to get it all back into him, get used to his new players, etc. But of course he's kind of, this is his pre-season now, isn't it? Because he's not played so far this season. So is there a bit of risk attached to any move for Ivan Tony this month? I'd say it's a gamble worth taking, um, even if there is that risk there. Um, I, he's he's such a good striker, which which sounds silly, but he's just an all round good striker. He he possesses it all, and as much as he he hasn't played for the first half of the season, I can't see that timeout doing him much damage. Um, yes, there may be a bit of rust that he has to shake off, but I think he'll be back to his best in no time, really. Um, and getting in there now sort of getting the jump on rivals could be massive. Um, it's, it's not going to be a small fee, definitely. Um, but it might it might even save a bit of money because if he comes back and gets back to his best, sort of hits the ground running and finds his best form, come the summer, that, that transfer fee could be inflated even further. So um, I, would, I would say sort of push now um, because come the summer, there could be a real big transfer battle. Um, outside of Arsenal, you've got sort of Chelsea, probably in need of a, a proper goal scorer. Um, Nicholas Jackson is not that. Um, he's a very, very raw product, whereas Tony's the finished product. Um, and they know that they know what they're getting with him. He, he can do it in the Premier League. We know that. Um, and you wouldn't even maybe rule out Liverpool as well. I mean, uh, 
Darwin Nunes hasn't really um, sort of delivered as as has been expected at Liverpool. Um, so there could be plenty of competition come the summer. Moving on to another striker uh, and one that our friend Chibogu Elijah had uh, suggested in his comment that we showed earlier on on the show uh, about Kylian Mbappe as well. Uh, doesn't look like he'll be going to Arsenal. Also, it doesn't look like he'll be going to Liverpool uh, either. Uh, reports over the weekend and this morning that he's close to agreeing a uh, deal to Real Madrid, as we pretty much all expected. I think it's probably the worst kept secret in football, isn't it? Um, I mean, he's been linked there for the last, you know, God knows how long, for, probably for all the, all the time that Kylian Mbappe has been alive on this earth. He's been linked with Real Madrid, isn't he? Um, but that's a deal that looks like it's getting uh, done and completed. will be done in the uh, in the summer when he moves on a free transfer. And I suppose when you drop Kylian Mbappe into a side that has Vinicius Junior, Rodrigo, Duke Bellingham, Eduardo Camavinga, or Alien um a, it's quite a scary prospect, uh, and B, it's little wonder that Carlo Ancelotti signed a contract extension with them to stay at Real Madrid rather than take up the Brazil squad because this isn't a squad that is... I mean, it can do magical things here and there, of course. Those players are great players, but they're players that are going to be around for the next kind of five, ten years for this Real Madrid side. I mean, we, we could be seeing a dynasty forming here, really, couldn't we? Yeah, nobody can compete with that, really. Um, even They've even attracted Jude Bellingham over there um, who you'd probably expect would want to want to play in the Premier League, but sort of that Galactico status, um, that draw is huge, and um, they're already top of the Liga on goal difference without Kylian Mbappe. Um, next season, it could be ridiculous, um, and you'd always back them to sort of get to the final four of the Champions League too. Um, they are serial winners; uh, it's in their blood, and recruiting Mbappe uh, to sort of fill that vacant striker role that they haven't since Karim Benzema left. They've sort of left it vacant for him is sort of the final piece of the jigsaw puzzle for them. Um, You do wonder, would he maybe step on Jude Bellingham's toes a bit? Obviously Bellingham kind of being their main goal threat um, in that number 10 role. But um, And there's always a threat when you throw a load of big personalities into a team, a lot of talent, will they click? Uh, we've seen it in the past that it's not always the case. It's not always that simple. Um, but yeah, that, that front line of Bellingham, Vinicius, Rodrigo, Mbappe, looks like it could be a, a real force for the next few years. And yeah, you'd really fear for anyone coming up against them uh, in the Champions League and in, in, and in Spain. Um, when when you face that on the team sheet, it's, it's, it's going to be a long, long day. Someone who's looking to return to the Premier League uh, as well in the papers over the weekend, uh, Jordan Henderson, uh, looking to cut short his stay in Saudi Arabia. He's only been over there six months down. Um, so much for growing the game. He's so desperate to come home. Uh, apparently disillusioned with uh, life playing in a uh, mid-table side at Al-Etifak under Steven Gerrard. They haven't won since the end of October. Is there anyone likely to want to take him in the Premier League? You know, I think Henderson's holding out hope that Liverpool would take it back. They've moved on miles and they've done really well without him. So I'm not entirely sure they'd, they'd want to take him back. Um, but is, is there anyone in the Premier League that, that could be looking at him? Maybe the one that you look at is perhaps, you know, Newcastle. I mean, they, they've been linked with Calvin Phillips as well. So clearly they're in the, the market for a midfielder. But I mean, <laughs> I'm not entirely sure if Sunderland Boyhood fan. Jordan Henderson would be most appropriate for, for, for both parties really there. 
Is, is there anyone that could take him that would want to take him? He's really boxed himself into a corner, hasn't he? Because he, he said he didn't want to play against Liverpool, hence the move abroad. Um, and now he's in a position where he wants to come back to England. Well, that means a lower league move. That Maybe maybe Sunderland, potentially, in the Championship. Um, they soon could be back in the Premier League, though. Um, and you really can't have any sympathy for Jordan Henderson. Uh, he said a lot of things uh, which nobody really believed. I don't think he was fooling anyone. And yeah, six months in, now he wants to come back home. Um, and I, I don't think that option is there for him. I think you sort of, you've, you've made your bed, you've got a lie in it now. Um, it's got two year contract, which will run down quickly, but um, you've just got to stick with it, Jordan. I think um, I, I saw uh, yesterday, the, the Saudi winter breaks now lasts until the middle of next month. So I mean, I would, I would sit, sit tight, take your paycheck, which you, uh, which was the reason you went there, and um, sort of lap it up, really, because I think everybody knew as soon as he took that move, your career's over, which is why there's been frustration that he's still getting picked for England, um, still playing uh, under Gareth Southgate. It shouldn't be the case, and um, I think he's just got to accept his fate now. Yeah, I'm sure, uh, like myself, your 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 heart also bleeds for a man who's on 350 grand a week playing in a, a, a league that he doesn't think is uh, up to his standards and his levels. It must be really upsetting when that pace drops every weekend, doesn't it? Or every month as well. It must be really heartbreaking for him. Uh, but one man as well, as we mentioned there, Calvin Phillips, uh, another England midfielder who has been linked with a move away from Manchester City, uh, potentially on loan during this window. Uh, Newcastle United have been heavily linked with him. Looks like the Juventus are out of the race for Calvin Phillips. That's a boost for Newcastle. But is is midfield really what Newcastle need at this minute? I mean, I know they're without Sancho Tonali for a while as well because of his ban. But are there other areas that Newcastle maybe should be actively looking at first and foremost to, to strengthen in than perhaps going into midfield? Um, I know they need depth and they need depth in that position, but they need depth all over the park, don't they? And for me, it kind of seems like there might be one or two other areas that they should be looking at first before uh, agreeing a deal for Calvin Phillips. Yeah, you look at their midfield and you'd, you'd argue that's probably their most solid position, definitely this season. Defensively, they've been struggling massively um, with Kieran Tripper. Trippier looking well the the pace that he set last season. Um and you look at who does sit in that position that Calvin Phillips plays, Bruno Gimaraes, who's been probably their best player of the season, um, probably the best player that they've got since they've since they brought him in. Um, but I do think that sort of getting Phillips in for the second half of the season while Tonali is serving his ban would free up uh, Gimaraes to sort of move a bit further forward, have a greater impact on the game, which is what we saw when he initially made the move, he was sort of getting goals, assists, and then they brought him back. Eddie Howe slotted him back into the de- defensive midfield role, which he does so well. It's um, it's sort of a, a breeze for him. He's is some player, um, but I think they they could really benefit from moving him sort of in into that eight role a bit more, a bit bit further forward, um, and then his influence. Uh, impact the game a bit more. Um, you've no doubt that come the summer they'll be, they'll be spending big again. Um, they said last there was reports last summer that they didn't have too much money to play with, and then they went and splash splash millions on Harvey Barnes. Um, you know they, they've they've recruited heavily, and they will continue to recruit heavily. Um, I think for this for right now, Calvin Phillips on loan is a great option because 
fills that slot that Tanani's left. Um, but he he will be back for at some point. Um, and if it does go well, then they might well be inclined to activate that option. But if Philip struggles, he's got his injury problems, then you know this. It's a it's a risk that there's not too much risk attached to that move. Um, so I, th- I think I think it would be a wise move for Newcastle to make. Dan, that just about wraps it up for this morning. So thank you for your time as always, and thanks for everyone who watched along, listened along, and got involved during the show as well. Really appreciate that. And of course, if you've got any other questions or comments, uh, like I said earlier on, you can find us across all social media platforms at Mirror Football. Uh, we'll be the one in the main, and we'll try and answer any questions on future shows as well. Of course, you can keep up to date with all the latest from the transfer window, the FA Cup, the Premier League, whatever you can shake a stick at. Because of course, we've got the uh, African Cup Nations and the Asia Cup starting this week as well so again for all of that for all your football coverage you can of course keep up to date across the daily star daily mirror and daily express websites but for now it's goodbye